Okay, I want to start with a survey this morning. And to do the survey, you're going to have to stand up because you're going to respond to the survey by moving. So now if you're not comfortable doing this or you're physically not capable, please don't feel bad. Um, and, and as I said before, we are family, so there's, there's no judgment, no condemnation in Christ. Yeah, so I want, to know, I want to know the real answers, not the answers that you feel like you are the correct answers or that you want me to hear. So the first question is, do you believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is the Word of God? And so what, what I want you to do is, is if you do believe that it's the complete infallible Word of God, in other words, it's, it's without error, you go up this end of the room. And if you think that it's a complete load of rubbish and has nothing to do with what God has to say, I want you to go to that end of the room. And if you genuinely, honestly go, you know what, some days I'm not so sure and whatnot, then maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But if you want to move in the room to where you think the Word of God is, you will be coming back to your chairs in a second. There's, 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 only, there's only three questions, but yeah. And it's all right if you're sitting down, then you won't be judged as, as that is your position, by the way, Joe. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Okay. The word of the Bible. Ah. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't the question. Okay, second question. The question is Have you ever been told to read the Bible regularly? Yeah, and the, the way you're going to respond is if it's 50 or more, you're on that wall, 50 more or more times someone said to you that, that you should read the Bible regularly. And if you've never, ever been told you should read the Bible regularly, go to that end. And, and so we're looking at about 20, 25 here. Now, obviously, no one's counted. but Okay, now, the, the last question is, and I want your honest answer, not the answer you think others want. If you read the Bible daily or more, you're on that wall. If the only time you read the Bible is when someone in your Activate group or, or, or someone in church reads it out aloud to you, you're at that end. So how often do you actually genuinely read the Bible? I, I know people who, who read the Bible daily without... Is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's somewhere, somewhere in between. Uh, memes don't count. If you read Facebook memes of Bible verses, that's, that doesn't count. Bible app's okay. That's actually... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if someone else posts it on Facebook, it doesn't count. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So it's interesting. So the first two, we had a really, really strong representation up that end of the room. But the actual outworking of it is not quite the same as the idea. We get told a lot to read our Bible. We believe it's God's word, and yet I wouldn't be on that wall either. Do you want to grab a seat? We, we did video that so that we can, uh, yep, you all got, just got assessed. No. I'm going to read from a Bible, the book of Hezekiah, chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to start from verse 17. After the Lord appeared to them on Mount Veyron, uh, Hezekiah, chapter 6, he returned to those gathered with the word of the Lord. The Lord said, listen to me. Hear my word and those of my servants, those who I've called as leaders and pastors. Prepare a banquet before them. Bless them tenfold a day's wage. 
Worship them with gifts of fine clothes and grand chariots. Do not withhold from them, for the Lord your God has spoken. Absolutely. (laughs) What went wrong? So there's no book of Hezekiah. And we don't worship people. And there's no Mount Veyron. There could have been, but not that I know of. I did look for it. I don't think it's in the Bible. But there's a really nice car. I did say grand chariots. That you've got to give your leaders and pastors grand chariots. The reason I did that is because so often we hear stuff. We hear lots of stuff. We hear lots and lots of things. Lots of really good ideas. Lots of preachers talking. Lots of Facebook memes. And this week... I was blown away by the number of scripture passages that came alive. The number of things that as I was talking with someone, God prompted me with a verse from from the word. God prompted me to share something with them and, and a verse that was just so alive. And I said, okay, God, you've given me heaps of stuff. What do you want me to share on Sunday? With the body, there's, there's so much material here. There's so much stuff that we could share. The, the word's so amazing. And every day this week, it's been so alive and active in my life and in those around me, those that I've interacted with. What do you want me to share? And I think the Lord, because he said he didn't say any of them, was the first thing. There wasn't any one of them that, that came to mind that I, I felt that he wanted to share. But what I did sense as I was praying about it was that he wants me to share my journey with this book, my testimony about this book. Because like the survey we started with, that's a reflection of my journey of this book. And I think it's really important not to come to the word with the wrong approach. And the Bible talks about it, and we'll come to that in a minute. I grew up in a church Christian family, went to church regularly, and this book was revered. This book was respected. In fact, in my teenage years, we were going to a very conservative church and dad was not so keen on church, but still keen on God in that space. And so he said, if you did half an hour of cleaning and half an hour of reading a Bible, you didn't have to go to church. If you wanted to take that option, it was an option to you as a teenager, but you had to read the Bible for half an hour and you had to do some cleaning up at home for half an hour. Interesting model. Who knows whether it's right or wrong. But, but the word was respected. The Bible was actually respected. And as a young kid, I knew it was significant. I was always told it was the word of God. In grade six, I decided to give my life to Jesus. We were looking at the, the apostles um, at, at school, um, a Catholic school, for those that... Uh, have a problem with that I became a Christian at a Catholic school (laughs) God works miracles and I looked at the life of the apostles and their commitment to Jesus even in persecution and I went wow I want to follow Jesus so I started reading it and it started actually having some personal significance to me but there was always this guilt trip that went on Because I'd been told that it was important to read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. And I never lived up to that standard. And through my high school years, I treated it like a sport, like a game, something to study, something to pull apart, something to, you know, debate with your friends. You come up with Bible verses from Hezekiah. 
books that don't exist. It became an intellectual exercise. And of course, as an intellectual exercise, it didn't have a lot of personal meaning. I started going to uni. And again, this guilt trip of, you should read the Bible. You should read the Bible was there. The Bible's good. I'd heard it over and over again, 50 plus times probably by the time I was in uh, first year uni. I had a culture around me that, that was not into reading the Bible at all. I was surrounded by people that had another way and I went, I know that's not right, so maybe I should read the Bible more. And so I'd, I'd get up early in the morning, set my alarm early and I'd read the Bible and I'd go, oh, it's actually good, it's good stuff. And I'd feel like life was a little bit better when I read the Bible. And then three months later, the inspiration had faded and we'd back to my normal approach. And they'd go on for six months and then I'd go, oh, really should read the Bible. It's good to read the Bible. Been told to read the Bible. It's God's word. And so I'd start reading the Bible again. Oh, that's really good. Yep, I'm reading the Bible. Good on you, Matt. It was like a yo-yo diet. Just kept for, for little stints of time. You know, maybe the evening's better than the morning. My brother read in the evening, so maybe I should read the Bible in the evening and four words in, I'd fall asleep. There was a real gap between what I got told the Bible was and what my experience of what the Bible was. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought when you read the Bible, it's a good thing. And like a diet, you get told it's good for you. And sure enough, you feel a little bit more energized when you, when you stop eating junk food. But if that's your motive, it doesn't last very long. And that was my experience. Things changed, however. Well, first of all, I started um, going to a church that actually tried to follow the Bible, and that helped me realize that it was a little bit more than um, just a book of things that you should do. But even leading a youth group, there was still this obligation to the book. Even in that space, I felt like a hypocrite, teaching kids about the good things of God, and yet there was a detachment from the reality of this and the, what I got told it was about and what I was experiencing. But that changed while I was at youth group because I started being interested in a girl and I'm now married to that girl. But in that place, I realized I didn't have answers. I didn't actually have anything that I could confidently stand and walk in to say whether this was going to be a good choice or not. And when I looked around at other people, they were all happy to give me advice, but they were happy to give me advice, but I didn't have a grounding, a foundation, a something that I could say I'm confident about this choice. But I did have a sense that God said to wait. And in the end, I waited 12 months before I asked Tanya out. And in that 12 months, God did a whole heap of work on me. There was a whole heap of things. There was pride. There was arrogance. There was... Yeah, there was just a sense of um, me being better, me being smarter, me having it more together than the average person. And it was in that place that God actually revealed his word to me. I'd been told so many times that this was really significant. And like a diet, I'd tried it, but it hadn't made any significance. But what actually changed was me, not the word. And in that year, I discovered some really, really significant things. The first thing is... God is God and I am not. We can say that way too easy. Like even as I say it now, it's too cheap. God is God and I am not is actually not something that's out there. That's what I saw this as, a book that was out there, God's word. But when it actually comes to my heart, 
God being God and I am not is extremely humbling. It's extremely profound and it's actually really, really powerful if you let that be true. Because when God is God and I am not, I'm not reading because I'm trying to fix something. I'm reading because I want to know who he is. I want to understand him. I want to know what his meaning and purpose is for my life. And I had a reason to want to know what his meaning and purpose was for for my life. Because I was heading into making some pretty major decisions. And out of that place of going, God is God and I'm not, I went, I actually want to know what you have to say, God. So I started fighting for the word. I started fighting for this idea that I was just had a, a glimpse of, a seed of. I went, I'm not going to do it because someone told me to do it. I'm not going to do it because I've been told it's his word. I'm going to do it because I want it to be relevant to me. I want it to be personal. I went out and I got an audio book. It didn't matter whether I read in the morning or the evening. I fell asleep. First thing in the morning, 15 words in, I'm like, can't get my eyes open. In the evening, 10 words in. I can't keep my eyes open. This is, how can I read when I'm falling asleep every time I try and read? I went, I've got I've to get the word. I've got I've I've to do something about this. I can't stay where I am. This is not who God's called me to be and it's not his word. So I got an audio book and I read the Bible. I didn't read the Bible. I listened to the Bible. My wife keeps correcting me when I say I read when I'm not reading, I'm listening. On the train, on the way to, to work, I read the Bible, I listened to the Bible, and it was amazing. It was the first time that the Word actually came alive. I'd heard things that were significant, I'd heard things that were powerful, there were things that influenced my life, there were good teaching, but to actually read the Word as God's truth and love, a profound message for mankind, changed that year. It really changed. Does that mean the word's really easy to read now? No. I still fall asleep five words in. But my heart has changed. My trust of God has changed. And my hunger for the significance of this in my life has changed. And the reason I'm sharing this this morning is because this year, I believe, is going to be very significant for each and every one of us. And it's going to fade like a yo-yo diet as quickly as it comes if this is not at the foundation of what we're doing. For those that know my experience of, of labor, of, of hard work, of going through the motions, reading the word, and have come to a place of pursuing God's heart, not trying to read a book because it's like a textbook. For those that have got to that point, I'm not saying anything new this morning, but you will know how significant this word is. You will know how significant and how we cannot afford to assume that everyone understands when we read from the word what we're talking about you make the assumption that when you read from god's word that people go oh it's living and active and it's profound and yet i can tell you for three quarters of my christian walk it wasn't that and so i don't want to assume that today that everyone here is in the same place is fighting for the same truth is hungry for the same truth is eager to see god's love permeate people's lives I don't think we can assume that, even with people that come together. That wasn't my story for three quarters of my life. So why should we assume that we're all in that position now? But what I do want to say is, it is worth fighting for. 
If you're in that place where the word of God is hard to read, it's hard to do consistently, it's hard to engage with and it does not feel alive. I think God really wants to say something to you today. And it's not a rebuke. The one thing that I want you to take out, not the only one thing, but one thing I do want you to take out of my story is my sense of duty did not achieve anything. I felt guilty. I felt incomplete. I felt like a fraud. I felt unworthy to do a whole heap of things that I was involved in out of a sense of guilt because I didn't measure up to what preachers had told me, youth group leaders, mentors had said about reading the word regularly. That is not the motivation. However, there's three things that motivate me now to read God's word. The first I've already shared, believing that God is God and I'm not. And that's a daily choice. And sometimes I take that back. Sometimes I think I'm God and I have to relinquish that again. The second is to be hungry for God's truth. Both the parts I agree with and the parts that challenge and hurt and, and stir me up. I've got to believe that God's truth is, is more important, is more significant than what I think and what I believe. And the third, and this was a significant shift in that year, is I've got to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move and work in my life. I don't approach this book any longer with the idea that I need to study so that I can be a better Jesus follower. I approach the book by saying, I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in me and he's going to use the word of God to bring that alive. I'm surrendering. It's not about me anymore. I'm surrendering and I'm believing. And in that place of surrender, in that place of, of believing that God's Spirit eagerly desires to coach, to encourage, to bring out the best, to take me further, this book is amazingly alive. Any page, I guarantee you, any single page in here, the Holy Spirit can use to bring something alive in you. I've tested it. I have. A couple of months ago, I went, okay, God, let's play a game. Bang. What does it say? Picked a really tough one. I don't know any of these names. Now, Adonijah, the son of Hyeth, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots. This is in one king. Prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. I'm not going to read it. But I can tell you, when you approach it with the right heart, if I was trying to read it because I haven't read 1 Kings, then I must be a bad Christian. I better read 1 Kings. It's going to be hard going. It's going to be a slog. But if you say, Lord, I believe that your spirit wants to do a new work in me. This book is living and active. Does that mean we don't bother studying it? Not at all. There is people in here that will coach you, that will help you to understand. There's context, there's different types of writing, there's a whole heap of things that's helpful. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that the book all of a sudden just makes complete sense. It, it doesn't. Um, that requires wise counsel as well. But it says in 1 Peter 3.15, In your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So there's almost this, as a Christ believer, that you want the word to come out of you, to be alive in you, the hope that you have for the word to come out. In Matthew 4.4, 4, in response to being tempted by the devil, Jesus says, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's food. It's food for us. It's, it's nourishment. It's part of the Spirit's work in us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable to teaching and reproof for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is an amazing, amazing book. And I know in a lot of ways I'm stating the obvious this morning. But my testimony is that even as a Christ follower, I've approached this with the wrong angle. And I don't want that to be our journey this year. I want our journey this year to be a year of hungering after God's truth. Eagerly desiring for the Spirit to be alive and working in us. Eagerly desiring for His truth and His love to be reflected in our community. If the broken are going to hear something, I don't want them to hear my good ideas. I want them to hear the love of the Father. And I don't know the love of the Father unless I know His Word. Because His Word is truth. And so my challenge today, I'm not going to repeat the challenge that was challenged to me. And that is to read your Bible more. I don't say that to anyone now. Because that hurt me. That damaged my faith. Read your Bible more actually had the opposite effect to what they were trying to say. So what should I say? What's your advice? Having heard my journey, what would your advice be for someone sitting in this room, looking ahead at their year, knowing that God's word is alive? What would you say to them? It's not a rhetorical question. What would you say? Engage. Can you give a few more words? <laughs> no? Engage. Okay, yep. Someone else have open your heart to be led by spirit. Ask yourself, why would you want to read the Bible? Yep, why do you want to read the Bible? Don't read the Bible for the sake of reading it. Yep. Because you want to see what God's heart is for you. Ask God to help you, to give you desire. Get an audio book or an app. Yep. We start with a posture, don't we? All these things that you've shared is actually about what's important to us. He says, knock and the door will be opened. He says that we all, not everybody, because I, there's nothing wrong with doubting. I'm not trying to say that. But a lot of people stood up there and said, this is God's word. And if he says, knock and the door will be opened, then you need to trust that. Say, God, I want your word to be alive in my life this year. I don't want to treat it flippantly. I don't want to be proud. I want you to be God and I, I want to surrender to your truth. I want to know your plans and purposes. I'm knocking God. And in that place, he will never, ever fail you. Might not be always what you want, but it will definitely be what you need. And the Holy Spirit will meet you in that place. God will meet you in that place. So I really, um, I'm really excited about this year. I'm really excited about the truth that's going to transform people's lives this year. Not just in this room, but through you into this community. And for that to happen... We've got to be alive. And, uh, and God's word's alive. His spirit is moving and working. And I'm convinced 
that this week has been a testimony for me of how relevant this book is to people's lives, how relevant it is to my life and how real it is. Are you hearing what I'm... I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray that um, right now, I just want to break off, Lord, the, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the judgment that we've placed on ourselves, Lord, the things that you haven't put there but we've put there. Lord, I just ask you to break that now in Jesus' name, the things that, that block us, that, that uh, stop us from seeing your truth with the love and the passion and the life that you have placed in these words. Lord, for the lies that we have either experienced or we have been told, Lord, around how hard it is to read, how, how tiring it is to read, Lord God. Lord, I pray you would break that now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the duty and the religion and the obligation and the habits, Lord God, that don't have your heart, that don't have your spirit driving them. Lord, I pray you would break that now in Jesus' name. And in all these places, Lord, I ask you by your spirit to renew us, Lord, to renew our minds and our hearts, Lord, not to be reading a book, Lord, but to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to trust you as God, to trust that you have purposes and plans for us that are good. First to believe, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who have experienced like I have, the labor, the dryness, the effort of reading without fruit. Lord, I pray as they knock now, as they knock, that you would open that door in a way that brings revelation, Lord. Revelation of your goodness, revelation of your truth, revelation of your relevance. I thank you, Father. I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your truth in your word. And I pray, Lord, as we press into it this year, as we stretch, as we go, as we humble ourselves before you and your truth, that, Lord, we would trust you with the things that you have said and continue to say to us. And you would help us to sharpen each other, Lord, with your truth and with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.